Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I am so pleased to meet in person and be joined for the first time by Chris Peranto. You know him as Tonto ah, from Benghazi 13 Hours. I know a couple of your, your yeah, colleagues yeah, there, yeah. and, and yeah. they're local to me in, in Colorado. I, I didn't know that you have Colorado yeah. ties, too. I, I was born and raised until uh, I was 10 in Alamosa, Colorado. My dad coached at Adams State College. So I grew up around on the campus growing up uh, and then um, moved. We did move because my dad coached at Brigham Young, Oregon State. But then I came back, and I went to Grand Junction Central and actually played college football at Colorado Mesa University. It was Mesa College Mesa back State, then. Or, or it was Mesa State. Mesa we, we that's how old I am. Yeah. It was Mesa College. Mesa College. And then when I was leaving, it became Mesa, Mesa State. But, no, family, I've always had ties either on that in that western slope and Alamosa. Family still in Grand Junction. How did you get from there to Army and Rangers? You know, I, I, I got my bachelor's degree at Mesa. And, um, I, yeah, it, 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 you always think that there's paths, and there is a path for everybody. And sometimes that path chooses you, and it did. I, I, I had a, a grandfather that was in the, in, the, uh, in the Army Air Corps, but I never knew him because he passed away in World War II. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any ties in the Army. And then uh, – I thought it was a cool thing. I'd read about it. You know, like, this is really neat stuff. And one day an Army recruiter at the end of graduation, I was walking through the student union area, and an Army recruiter saw me, and I must have had sucker attached to my forehead. (laughs) And he said, hey, come look at this video. And I went over there, and he showed me an Army Ranger video. And, you know, of course, it's a a propaganda. But it was awesome. Guys jumping out of airplanes, blowing stuff up, Rangers with that. And that's when we had Black Berets. Now it's Tan Berets for the 75th Ranger Regiment. I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. And I'd been reading about these guys in Vietnam, the Hunter Killer teams, the Lerp Rangers. Yeah. I was like, and I said, yeah. I go, is that tough? Do you guys quit? He goes, yeah, all the time. I said, sign me up. Let's go. And my mom and dad are, I mean, they're, I could just, bam, hitting their forehead. Like, are you kidding me, son? You got your bachelor's degree and you're going to end, you're going to enlist in the U.S. Army. And Was your dad ever in the military? No, no, just my grandfather. And I said, I never knew him. I never yeah. knew the grand, and, and uh. So it was new to my family, um, but I don't know, it just felt right. And, yeah. and I did it. But long story on that is actually I got short. My first time on the military was short, cut short because I did something I shouldn't have done. And I was actually discharged, honorably discharged, but I was discharged nonetheless early. Mm-hmm. I went back on my master's degree at University of Nebraska at Omaha. In and, what? Uh, at criminal justice. It mm-hmm. was a master's at the University of Nebraska. It mm-hmm. was at Omaha. That's how I ended up in Omaha now. Mm-hmm. And I Got done with that and like, you know, I don't want to be a civilian. And I re-enlisted and I redid everything all over again. So I did it twice. Base, infantry basic, airborne, ranger and doc. Went back to ranger battalion as a private. Got my tab. And, and, then I became a, and then I became a sergeant. And then I actually used that commissioning. I used those degrees to get a commission. I became an army officer. And then contracting all the way over for like 11 years until Benghazi happened. So, I mean, that's that's a in and of a nutshell. And, and, but it was a great experience. It, I learned failure a lot. I failed. I failed a lot. And I had to pick myself up. Getting, getting booted out of the Army early is pretty humbling. And me saying, you know what? I remember my dad. He's from Lubbock, Texas. I remember his voice saying, son, you get kicked off that horse, you get back on it. And that's all I could think of for two years while I was getting my master's degree. I got to go back in the service. I got to go back in the service. I got to finish what I started. And I, I, luckily, I was blessed enough to have the opportunity to do that. And, and that's what I did. Okay. So this is an intentional opportunity to let you say <laughs> any random thing. Did, 
Do you ever look back and think you should have joined the Marines? No, my goodness, no. <laughs> uh, not a, never. I, I, you know what? I, 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 I can spell my name correctly. I, I mean, <laughs> if I spell it incorrectly, then maybe the Marine Corps. No, you, how dare you? I don't even have a reply for that. I'm, I'm just, I'm stunned. I, I was I'm, just, I was just thinking about the stuff you said before we got on the on the uh, air about the Marines. No, so dude, I was just no, giving you a no, chance. I, to I, you know, I chew bubble gum. I don't chew on crayons. I don't do that. No. I love it. But you know what, Marines, at least we can both say we never became SEALs. So, hey, we got something to go oh on that. Oh, my on that. gosh. Ain't that? Yeah. I, no, I, and, you know, we love Razzie. <laughs> full-on throwdown. We love Razzie, each other, but everybody knows the Rangers are carrying the load. Who do you need somebody to come rescue you? You call the 75th. That's right. Ain't that right? <laughs> there you go. All right, guys, you can all hate me later. Hate me later. Uh, tell, tell me a little about uh, life as a contractor. I was very lucky and blessed to start on the ground floor on that. That was early on. That was when contracting was brand new, when Blackwater was brand new, Triple Canopy with Lee Van Arsdale, former unit guy, was brand new. So getting in at that level and getting to be there at the Wild West days where there were no rules, mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that was fun. I we were I was lucky. I, I can't believe I lived. I can't believe a lot of us lived over the stupid stuff that we did because there really was little oversight, and it was the Wild West in Iraq at the time. But I got to experience so many things. I mean, just not every day you get to drive down a road and see bombed out burning cars and holes in buildings. And, and then you see a car bomb going off, you know, maybe 400 meters away, even though it's not towards you. Hearing random gunfire every once in a while. Being shot at every once in a while driving down the road on, on, on Biop or Irish. And I say every once in a while. If those that have went on Irish in Baghdad know that I'm being actually very facetious. You're shot at it. You're mm. <laughs> shot all the time on it. But getting to experience that and living through it. Yeah. No, it's 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 a good experience because I can. I, I, I'm, I'm speechless because I just think about. It. I think about things that happen in my head and like how lucky am I to be here to talk about it with you? Yeah. I never saw that as being something either. I, it's a blessing to me, and, and I lost a lot of friends. I did, it, but it's a blessing to go through those experiences. To me, I never wanted to live my life where. I guess the end of my life, I'm like, man, what did I do with my life? I, I, I don't have to have that ever. I, I, I can sit back now. Even the rest is just gravy. I can yeah. sit back well, now. Well, you're go, not old. Man, I'm 49. I turned 49 in a month. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very lucky to have good genes. Mm-hmm. And I'm very lucky to have a wife that still pulls my ass to the gym, <laughs> gym a lot. But um, contracting world was wonderful. And I got to do that for 11 years. And I got to do, starting the ground level, everything from high threat protection, which is State Department type stuff, to mm-hmm. CIA stuff like we were doing in Benghazi, mm-hmm. to I did anti-piracy. I got to ride on ships in the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden, fighting pirates. Who gets to say they fought pirates? It's like I fought Jack Sparrow. It's awesome. <laughs> and then I got to do a little, and I, I got to do kidnapping, anti-kidnapping stuff in South and Central America. You know, I, I got I to gotta see some amazing places. And not only that, I didn't have to live on a base. I got to live in, live in the culture. And mm-hmm. that's, even a, that's even a greater experience because you're, you're immersed in the culture. So yeah. you actually get to be immersed in the sooks and the shops and the bazaars. And you got your wits about you. But it makes that so much fun. It, it, it's wonderful. It's the greatest experience I, I could have asked for. And I, it just fell into it. It just fell into all that. What was your hairiest experience as a contractor pre-Benghazi pre-Benghazi really the hairiest experience that I was in and it wasn't there wasn't a shot fired it was where we were starting to learn how to do surveillance and this was actually in Kabul and um, nobody would go out and walk the cities and you you know sometimes you have to get out of your car and go walk and get and uh, I was the the test run (laughs) test run and um, I did I I remember and I guess I was just the idiot that said yes but I, you know, I, I blended pretty good, and I was learning Farsi, and I was learning Dari, and really not a shot far, but having to be out there on your own, putting you on the street, 
and having to walk some of the, some some and you know you do get acclimated to these areas, mm-hmm. but they are dangerous and at night and knowing that you don't have any help and if you do need help it's still a ways away and doing surveillance and trying not to get caught and trying to do your counter surveillance so you're not getting surveilled as well and walking in areas that that you really i mean essentially you're in an area that's extremely dangerous you may have a pistol on you if you can even get to it you're supposed to be doing your job gathering surveillance but you know you're out there because you're trying to see if you can pick up surveillance because they want you to be a guinea pig too that was honestly the scariest thing to wow. me. The first time I did it, I, when they asked me to do it, I actually went back to my room and I, I couldn't even load my pistol. I was like, Jesus. Because usually I have support. You know, yeah. All the other times I've, I've had a backup or I've been with a buddy, you travel as a team, and this was the first time that I did it on my own. And I was, I was, there was no help. I had a guy that may have been a guy named Popeye. He was his call sign. He was my QRF. He was still streets away. And you get in these areas like Kabul or Kandahar, Baghdad, some of these streets, they, it's not like here. I yeah. mean, you got out. They may not match up. And some of those streets are donkey trails that are muddy. And But after I did it that first time and I got through it and I did a good job getting the Chavez because you still had a mission you had to do. I had to get her, gather pictures of, uh, of these areas that we thought Taliban was particular HVT or more we, broad we, looking for cells? We or? are looking for what was it? What was We had an area that possibly there was an asset that was filtering information to the Taliban and and we had to get eyes on of where exactly that was. So I had to go find the apartments, and I had to go mm-hmm. find the area. So it was, it was, it really was a shot in the dark. It's like, hey, go in this area, see if you're thinking funny. These are the apartments we want to look at. Take pictures of them so we can take it to another asset who can verify, yeah, that's the door that they're actually doing the, they're doing the, not the drug deals, but they're doing the meats at. Yeah. So, so it, it really was a shot in the dark. Hey, man, this might work. But after I did it, I, every time I'm going, I'll do it. It was so – I didn't even get chills because it was so fun. It was just – it's always that first time. Okay, I got out of it. Yeah. You, and then at the – I was also at the age of when I was still in my 30s where you still have that feeling of invincibility about you, which I don't have any – I don't have that anymore. But it, it was. That invincibility – and I, every time there was some little some little mission on – and I got known. I actually preferred to work on my own. I, I'm going to go on myself. I got it. And I, but I made myself figure out how to blend in. Uh, you didn't have to always dress in a, in a damn shawa kameez, or you didn't have to put a kafi on, because there's there are guys that work at the ministries that wear wear, wear uh, suits and clothes. I mean, you could you could blend that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I actually was awesome. I got to perfect the craft. I got to perfect how to how to blend in without trying to blend in all the way like a local. Because I don't care, all you Americans out there, guys. I don't know how much we try. We still walk upright. We still are healthier. You can wear all the shower kameses, put the face paint on all you want. You can't blend in because we, we're healthy. We can't walk like an Afghani. We can't walk like wow. an Iraqi. We, can't, we, we don't hold ourselves away just because, of, just because we eat right. You know, we, we, we're not third world country. Yeah. And I, I've started to realize that. And I started to realize that because little kids could point me out. I remember uh, really? trying to blend in wearing local garb and a kid... He could see just by the way I was holding my posture, like, and also were healthy. I remember working. I did a lot of that also. And Kurdistan's pretty permissive, but I did a lot of that in Kurdistan. Well, mm-hmm. when I was able to work in Erbil and in Sulaymaniyah, the Kurds could pick me out. And then I said, "Well, how are you picking me out? Because you good Americans are all healthy. You don't smoke." So every time I went out, I had, I had a cigarette. I'd take a puff on it because we didn't smoke. <laughs> That's where we kind of lose it on the human side. Yeah. And there's still are excellent people out there doing human intelligence, doing intelligence gathering. But it's those little things in America that we, we think are healthy or set us apart that give us away overseas. And it, it was, but it was something, again, how lucky I was to perfect that and still be here 
to talk about it. Yeah. Um, no, I was blessed. I was very blessed. I remember the first person I called after that first mission was my wife, and I said, oh, man, I'm glad. <laughs> Which, you know, first person I called after Benghazi was at the airfield was my wife as well. Mm-hmm. So, it, no, I, I'm, you can tell us I'm going back a little bit. I, yeah. I remember how fun that was. It was exciting times. I want to talk just just a little about Benghazi. I don't want to do the whole yeah, thing because we've, I've, you know, it's been running. And, it's been running the dirt, man. Yeah. I know. I get. Uh, here, so here's my question for you about Benghazi. What is the thing that is most misunderstood by the public about what happened in Benghazi? Um, you know, what we were doing there. I think there's just so many things that were told that weren't or were not true, and I, there's so many conspiracies out there. I, Let's, let's start on not just our mission there. I think what's misunderstood about Benghazi as far as the local populace is that Benghazi at that time actually, they, they were actually doing very well economically. They, the Libyan dinar, even though the Qaddafi was overthrown, that Libyan dinar was still a one-to-one match on trades with our, with our dollar. Mm-hmm. The longer we stayed there, we were just destroying that country. I think what the biggest thing would say then from that would be we shouldn't have been there. Libya was well, well okay under Gaddafi. Even though he's a nut dictator, he was no threat to us at all, period. And they were thriving. They were doing very, very well under Gaddafi. There was no reason to overthrow that dictator. And the reason we did, and some people do know this now. They're figuring it out because more stuff comes out. They did to destabilize us because we wanted to use that as a springboard to destabilize and overthrow Syria and overthrow Assad. And all we did is we destroyed the country. We made ISIS. Libya made, we made ISIS in Libya. And then we also provided them, their, provided them weapons to go ahead and fight Assad, which they turned on and used on us. But mm-hmm. you know what? That's pretty typical with the, <laughs> with the government the agency. And uh, the ironic thing, even that night, that unless you've read Trey Gowdy's report, and he, I thought he did a pretty good job when he did the, did the select committee and he did his investigation. The militia that came and rescued us, but also took out the mortar team that night, they were Gaddafi's army. Gaddafi rescued us that night twice. Is that not irony wow. for being in Libya? A lot of people don't know that. And unless you, but it's 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 open source stuff. I'm not telling you anything secret. Just people don't want to pay attention to it. So, uh, yeah, we destroyed a wonderful country. The people there, I miss them. I miss them a lot too. Some of the best best little drinks by the Mediterranean I've ever had. To I, I get out there in the local Mediterranean, there's some hotels, and it was an oasis. It could have been it could have been Naples, Florida. Really? Just, yeah, it really could have. I, I miss those places immensely, immensely. Yeah. Uh, we had a job to do, but I, I, I experienced yeah. Leptis Magna, which is the, where the Roman and the Caesars, uh, they had Italian monuments uh, like Caesars, like Rome in Libya. So I, got, I went to these wow. places. And yeah, it's, it's the old Colosseums because they had a big Italian influence back in Caesars days. Yeah. So I got to see a lot of that stuff. That's incredible. You've got a third book out. Yeah, I, The Patriot's Creed. The second one was The Ranger Way. Uh, Hachette Books, who did 13 Hours and also did The Ranger Way, asked me to do a third one. And um, there were so many stories out there of, of guys that I thought were had, had many more uh, heroic stories or heroic experiences than I did or stories of adversity to overcome. And so I asked Hachette if it could be not a book about me but about short stories about guys that have overcome uh, their own adversities, their own demons, and their families because two of the stories are, are two of uh, two army, army sergeants who died. So I was their family stories. But the, story, the book, in a nutshell, is about overcoming adversity, not on the battlefield, but after the battlefield, how these guys have struggled after leaving, that, leaving the battlefield, leaving that adrenaline field, and how they now have succeeded or are succeeding in the civilian world. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the families as well. Uh, I know Cheryl, Cheryl Dulce, the mom of Ryan Dulce, sorry, Ryan Dulce, who died in Iraq. And many of you may know Ryan Dulce because in Newsweek, 
they, Newsweek is the one that actually took a picture of Ryan Dulles getting pulled out of a Humvee, his dead body at that time. They had an embedded reporter, and they published it in Newsweek. It was on the newsstands. They didn't bother to tell the family and Cheryl Dulles at all. So that's a story about her. Oh, my and gosh. I, and you know what? To me, I, listening to her, how, she handled it so well. She taught me more about courage and overcoming adversity when I just interviewed her for the book mm-hmm. than I even had. Like, oh, my, I would have went. She goes, no, no, I called them. I handled it like a school teacher because she's a school teacher. I talked to them and I accepted it and I forgave them. I, I go, how did you forgive them putting your son? Yeah. And it kind of showed me like, you know what, Chris, you're not as strong as you think you are. <laughs> and I learned a lot from her, but that's what it is. It, it's heroic, living a heroic life and not from, a, not you have to be in the military to do it. It's just, how do you live a heroic life and be a good person? And I also use, utilize the army values in telling the story too, with duty and honor, cur- personal courage, selfless service and integrity. Hmm. It was a way for me to, to give back and show. I, I don't need to talk about myself. I, there's guys that have done so much more than me that people need to know about. And, and I hope people read it. And, and it inspires them just to, and they're having a tough time just to keep going. And it's yeah. going to get better. My special guest, Chris Peranto, you know him as Tonto from 13 Hours, Benghazi. You know, one last quasi follow-up <laughs> on Benghazi. Not, not exactly about Benghazi, yeah. but, you know, with you and, and Tig and Oz. Yeah. Um, Benghazi made you famous. It did, or infamous in some eyes too. Yeah, it did. I mean, there's no army army ranger or marine or, or, or contractor who thinks some not very large number of years ahead, I'm going to be marketing for a firearms company yeah. and and a sunglasses company. <laughs> yeah, right. I still wear those, those yeah. HD vision, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. But like. Yeah. Is it, is it a weird thing for you what your life has become or it, it, does it feel like, oh, okay, this is what happened? This and, is what happens. Yeah. Is it something I expected? No. Is it something I wanted to do? No. No, not at all. Uh, but uh, is it those that have grown up in my generation in the 40s, you know, you, and you hear the, used to hear this all the time too, you make lemonade out of lemons. Mm-hmm. It's essentially what you do. Yeah. And if you're going to do it, you're going to give 110%, whatever it is. And that's what I've done. So. Mm-hmm. Coming out, and, and I do a lot of public speaking. I work with Kepler Speakers Bureau, who's a fantastic bureau. But I've learned to do speaking where I just did it for free. And then every time I come back, I'd AR. Okay, what did I do wrong? What, did they, what do I need to do better? Where did I? Where do I need to actually instill lessons learned from Benghazi and Ranger to being a motivated talk and less of a, they've left us behind. And, and so I learned by just doing what Rangers do. At the end of a mission, you come back in AR. And that's how I did it every day of my life. What, what can go on? Okay. What do I do here? Okay. And then I get in with a company, maybe be a brand ambassador. And I learn from that what not to do. And maybe I need a contract next time. So I'm not, <laughs> so I'm not promoting these guys gun company. And guess what? They just made a million dollars. Well, Tano, thank you for playing. Here's a free gun. You, you, you learn, and but you learn lessons and you learn life lessons and you still have to make a living. People don't realize me, Oz and Tig and Boone and Jack, it's not like we were given a, given a severance pay or it was like, Hey guys, you told the story. Well, guess what? You're gone. And your clearances, see ya. You don't get your clearances anymore either. You can't work anymore. We had a way to Because you wrote the book. Because we wrote the book and we told the truth. And so we had to find a way to, to make a living. And luckily for us, and luckily for us, all of us, and Tig is very charismatic too. He's ugly, but he's charismatic. <laughs> so is Oz. Oz. It's weird. He said the same it? thing about <laughs> no, you. <it> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Oz is very well spoken and, yeah. and, and Oz has become business savvy. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing is, is that we found, okay, this is what's been fed to us. Here's our plate of whatever. Yeah. I won't say it on your radio. <laughs> right. Okay. How do we deal with this? Because we still need to provide in our family. And you know what? We're still going to do it at full speed and be the best we can be at it. And each one of us in our own way has done 
the best in our particular our particular past. But as people can see, even when they're around us, we're not the same. So our paths have gone different, mm-hmm. but we're still giving 110% because we are SEALs and Rangers and Marines. And we're not going to be like, you know what? God dang, they screwed us over. Let's go cry in our milk. About- no, we're <laughs> right. going to do well. And I've got lucky to get with some very, very good companies and, and, and to be and I've been lucky that I had a dad that I watched do public speaking growing up. So oh. it just came natural. And I, and I don't get stage fright. And uh, I've been very lucky to be able to speak to getting the corporate speaking, getting that path where they go listen to Nick Saban and then they come listen to me. Mm-hmm. Or then they go listen to Ollie. Uh, to be in that, that is a little bit surreal too because that is a little different. Like, oh my gosh, they want to hear Chris Pirano. <laughs> and they just and they just heard Joe Montana speak. That's that's weird. Yeah. But it, I don't think it's not warranted. I think I'm a very, very good speaker, but I've practiced and I've took my lumps learning how to be right and, and being able to critique myself to become better. So so before we went on the air, you were telling me some really interesting, important stories about how when this happened, maybe some of the success, financial and otherwise, yeah. impacted <laughs> you in a way that wasn't great. You put it this way first. I have a lot more respect for for those that are in the public eye, even Hollywood types um, out there, because I, I really understand you can lose yourself in this or you can get immersed in it or you can really, you can buy into your own BS. And I, I did over a time frame. It, it became less, I was less Chris Perano and Tano and more just Tano being that. And, and it, it, it hurt. It really, it destroyed my family, at least for a little while. Yeah. It, it made me a terrible husband. We ended up, me and my wife, we have reconciled now, but we ended up getting divorced. <laughs> It took me away from my kids again, which I'd already been away from it enough. And there, the time when you just got to look in the mirror and be like, man, I, do I really need to be on the news anymore? Do I really need to show my face anymore? Am I really that insecure and shallow? Is that what I've become? And that's why I'm looking at the mirror. This was last year. Getting into bad relationships with people that are extremely shallow mm-hmm. too and insecure. And just looking at myself like, no. And, you know, and what always would help me is I'd watch 13 hours and I would remember that's how I was. That, that's Tonal. That is me. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself after after years i was getting farther and farther away from being that's that's me and um it took a you know god man god kicked me in the shins and said you know what and he, he humbled me big time and god said you know what get your stuff together or you're done and i did i i i've i've been contemplating i'll tell guys out there right now i had the glock in my mouth i know what that tastes like literally literally uh, and i've been in the shower just bawling I, I don't tell you, guys, and, and and the only way you can get out of it, and I had all the support in the world. I mean, I, people that I the only way I get out of it is I had to look in the mirror and I said, "Do I want to live my life like this forever? Is this what I want to be?" And that's when I fixed myself. So I do talk to guys about post traumatic stress. I've had it. I was actually diagnosed with post traumatic stress in 2007. I deployed with it for six more years, and then I, but it finally started to beat me once I got out. And um, what I talk to guys is like, guys. You have to make that decision to fix yourself. Everybody can say and pat you on the back and ask you if you're all right and enable you to feel like, you know, hey, I can do this. But until you look in the mirror and then you got to sometimes fix yourself too. live clean. I reconciled my wife. She's my base. She's my rock. Uh, I mean, my kids are back in my life. I did a deployment last year and it was it was fun, but I was done. I was like, I'm done with this. I, I got it. We're good. Mm-hmm. And I finally Especially got with back. a young kid now. Yes. I was miss, I missed another Halloween. I was sitting in, I was in Costa Rica. We did, I was on an anti-kidnapping uh, contract and I was Halloween and it was my three-year-old. I'm like, I'm missing another Halloween. Why am I doing this anymore? Gosh, dang it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm good. So I, I, I talked to guys and there's guys that want to keep doing it. Great. Go ahead. But don't feel like you have to do it because you have something to prove. You've done it. 
You have nothing to prove it to anybody anymore. And if you're in this public figure world, stay grounded. Don't believe you're high. Be yeah. humble. Stay humble. And I lost it for a little bit. And I, I but I, I was lucky enough to have a good upbringing and my, my faith took me out of it. But yeah, yeah, I said, God kicked me in the shins and said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you, I'm going to make you feel this. You arrogant SOB. You better, you better get your stuff right. And it did. It worked. So, and I'm great. Wow. That's quite a story. Uh, thank, thank you. I think that's even more. That was harder than Benghazi. It more so than anything. Just, just fixing my own self and, and being a good person, a good father again. You don't often hear about people who reconcile after. No, divorce. no. I, I, and my wife's gorgeous, and like I said she's still, she's still athletic, athletic as all get out. I met her when she was an All American volleyball player, so she's taller than me too. Which is nice. <laughs> and if you ever, is she get, from Colorado? She's from Nebraska. Yeah. No, they, they build them big in Nebraska. They're big, they're big and strong. They got some nice legs and, and some nice glutes there in Nebraska, especially they play volleyball. Oh, the corn fed athletes. Yes, they do. And and, uh, and yeah, my fifteen year old son's already taller than me. Wow. So uh, no, I. She, uh, she, yeah, she's my world. And, and I, I also realized, you know, that's what I was talking to you earlier. And we even talked about it before about during this interview. Every time I came back from an op where I thought maybe something was going to go wrong and it didn't, she was the first person I called. And I pushed that person out of my life because I was buying into all the, mm-hmm. the glitz and glamour. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's no, that, and I see a lot of guys do that. And I see a lot of guys go down the slippery slope, but they can't get out of it. But I'm telling you, you can, you just gotta, you gotta, humble yourself a little bit and realize you know what you're not as cool as you think you are look in the mirror and just okay i gotta fix this i can be better and that's 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 what i did but i had a good base had a good family had a wonderful wife that was I, yeah i can believe she took me back ah that was that's let's have her on the show yeah. talk about courage <laughs> oh my goodness talk about a heroic life yeah, yes <laughs> amazing uh. Chris Peranto, uh, you, you know him from 13 Hours, but he's actually got three books. Tell yes. us quickly what the other two. Uh, well, the Ranger Way, and that's just, uh, that is a book about me just failing over and over and over again and how I pick myself up. And then, and it has snippets of me in Iraq and Afghanistan, Ranger School, me being a Ranger Battalion, and then the Patriots Creed, which is a really strict, strictly a faith-based motivational book about other gentlemen that have gone through severe catastrophic injuries or even just alcoholism at home and overcame it and now are being successful in their civilian lives it's a pleasure to finally meet you in yeah, person yeah i know i heard so much yeah. about you and we're i can't believe i've never been on your show i can't either uh but we'll remedy that yes sir uh, and we'll have, definitely have you on again thanks and really excellent and thanks for making time for me i know you're real busy dude you waited on me i owe you <laughs> i owe you thank you thanks a lot chris all right brother Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.